On today's show, the NBA Finals might be complete, uh, but that's good for the Locked On Bucks podcast because now the silly season begins and it started with Bradley Beal rumors. We're going to talk about Beal. Uh, are the Bucks involved in this? They've certainly been mentioned. Is it even possible? What would it look like? Lots of Bradley Beal chat today and potentially other teams in the East uh, that might make sense for him as well as things start to get cooking in the lead up to free agency. So plenty to talk about today. Let's get into it. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win Show Monday to Friday, and also find my work over at ESPN. And alongside me, the founder of Brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. As always, we thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first watch or first listen of every weekday. And I think things are going to start to heat up now. And this is the time of year where uh, certainly Bucks fans get very interested in what could potentially happen. It's going to be a fascinating offseason. So we appreciate the support. Drop a like, a comment, subscribe. Do all those things. And uh, Frank, uh, we should note, uh, we are two weeks away today from the live pod in Milwaukee, June 28th, Broken Bat Brewery. We're all going to be there. Frank's going to be there. Eric will be there. Justin, Camille, uh, everyone. So if you're free and you're in the Milwaukee area, uh, check us out. Come down, have a beer, a water, whatever you feel like doing. And uh, we'll talk a whole lot of bucks. And that will be in the very much in the lead up to free agency there. So I imagine we're just going to have some fun and be silly, Frank, but there'll be some serious Bucks chat in there as well. So hopefully uh, an entertaining night for everyone. So go check that out. Uh, Frank, Bradley Beal in the news today, certainly a guy we've spoken about in previous years. And I think there's a section of Bucks fans that have interest in Bradley Beal. The numbers that I just looked at straight up and we can go through what this looks like for the Bucks, but He hasn't played more than 60 games in the last four seasons. He's got a $57 million player option in 2027, which feels like a long, long way away. Uh, So that's just what I look at first. But how have you taken in today's news, which perhaps the idea that he might finally leave the Wizards, that's not a huge shock. Yeah, I mean, he's almost 30 years old, right? Um, Multiple-time All-Star last a couple of years, I think he has not made the all-star team in no small part because the Wizards have been irrelevant. And uh, you mentioned some of the injuries. I'm not sure w- what time of year those were, if those were, you know, end of year shutdown type scenarios. But um, obviously he's a, a really good player, right? I mean, he he's an all-star caliber player, um, a guy that uh, for offensively can create his own shot. You know, interestingly, he's not as good at a three-point shooter. I, I feel like I've had conversations about this, like with, with people like the the all not as good as you think from three point range team, Um, you know, guys that you think of as being these really good shooters, but you know, you look at the numbers and it's just like, man, that guy doesn't actually like hit threes at the, at the rate that, that kind of, I would expect, Um, you know, he's, he's been a a bit of a guy that falls into that category. Um, You know, coming out of Florida, I mean, I remember, you know, people were comping him to, to, you know, uh, a young Ray Allen type player. And I think you look back on his career now, he's about to turn 30, the night of our live pod, Kane, actually, June 28th, he turns 30 years old. Um, yeah. And, 
you look at and you know just for for the three point percentage numbers last year was at 36 and a half but the previous few years 30 percent even in 21 22 isn't that shocking in 40 games mm. 5.3 attempts he shot 30 percent you know literally was in Giannis territory in terms of three-point accuracy. Obviously, yes, he's a better two-point shooter than Giannis, but uh, 34.9, 35.3, 35.1. Um, but early in his career, he was a guy that that just got over the 40% mark three times. So um, obviously, I would say, again, kind of, maybe a little bit like Michael Red in the sense of a guy that came into the league, and I think people thought of him as this like great shooter when he was more of a complimentary player. And then he became a volume scorer and guy that got to the free throw line a fair bit and, and showed, I think more guile and craft in terms of, you know, being able to, to create shots on his own. I mean, last year he shot 50% from the field, average 23 points per game, you know, to, to shoot 50% from the field um, is pretty impressive. Again, only played 50 games last year, 40 games the year before 60, the year before 57, the year before um, they'd play 82 games, each of the 17, 18 and 18, 19 seasons. But for various reasons, these past few years has I just have, obviously hasn't really been on the floor that much. So um, I think you know it's it's kind of funny. I think I think in the the context of Bradley Beal and Milwaukee Bucks, I think historically has been around the idea of would you rather have Bradley Beal or Chris Middleton, right? I feel like a lot of these conversations <laughs> yes. in the past have come up in in that regard. I think I think maybe going into it might have been even like the 1718 season Kane or something like that. Like I feel like we had conversations this would have been predated you. This would have been when our friend Eric Name was on the podcast. Um, about like, hey, Chris Middleton's about to enter the final year of his contract. Like, what should you consider, you know, potentially trading Chris Middleton? At the time, I think Bradley Beal would have been on that list. Not because he was necessarily like a better all-around player, especially when he factored in defense. At the time, Chris was a good defender. I think obviously Chris's defense has fallen off a fair bit. Perhaps some of that due to the knee injury that, again, glass half full. Um, hopefully the cleanup he had uh, right after the season may help in that regard. But, you know, I don't want to kind of count count those chickens before they've hatched. Um, Beal, you know, not, a, not what you would say like ever been considered a particularly a good defender he's you know 6'4 pretty sturdy guy but you know not certainly a, a lockdown defender has become a much better playmaker so I think he deserves credit as he's become a bigger score he's also become a better playmaker um but but the big thing with him and and you hit on it right at the top what makes it not even really like you, you know is he a better player than Chris Middleton at this point well yeah I think as a player I think you would say that Bradley Beal is certainly someone you'd say is probably a better asset going forward as a player than Chris Middleton. He's about two years younger and again, has been a volume scorer now for years. Um, and, uh, you know, again, like just from an age perspective, he's about to be 30. Chris is about to be 32. Drew Holiday just turned 33. So, you know, thinking about Giannis and, and where those guys are, but it's just so hard to get around this contract. And he signed this contract five years over 250 million dollars it has a no trade clause which i mean to me that's maybe the most interesting aspect of this whole situation in the terms that just he can dictate where he goes and and as a result of that obviously some of the the price that it's going to be paid for him which puts washington in a real hard spot but you know as good as he is again he's a really really good player he's an all-star caliber player a guy that you know yeah like if you ask me even me as a chris milton fan do i think Bucks would be better with Bradley Beal instead of Chris Milton moving forward. Contracts aside, I would say, yeah, I think that's probably a safe bet. You know, Chris has obviously had injury problems. Beal's had injury problems. Beal's a little younger, probably a bit more proven 
as a volume scorer and similar playmaking. But that contract, and and you know, we talked about it the last time I was on about just how this second apron is going to effectively become the new hard cap. And it is really hard to have three guys making, you know, monster max-ish types of contracts. But there's, you know, there's gradations to like max contracts, right? Chris Middleton signed for close to a max on his last contract, which now is with this player option, which obviously we don't think he's actually going to pick up. We think he's going to sign for less. But that got up to about 40 million, right? Drew Holiday, you know, mid to high 30s is where he's going to be the next couple of years. Giannis, obviously a step above even those guys. But for Bradley Beal, I think he's at 47 million this coming season, if I recall correctly. He's going to be up over 50 um, in the second half of this contract. I mean, again, you just do the math on the rosters, not just for the Bucks, but the Heat are probably the you know the team that's been mentioned more prominently as being a potential destination for Bradley Beal. And I know we were messaging about it. Like you just do the math and put you know Bradley Beal with Jimmy Butler making forty six million, with Bam Adebayo making over thirty, with Kyle Lowry making thirty two, Duncan Robinson making eighteen. I mean, it it just becomes such a difficult math problem to solve when you have a guy like him making that amount of money. And so, you know, I think most kind of keen observers, the NBA said that was a bad contract when they signed it with the no trade clause and the duration and just sheer size of that contract. And I think we're going to see that now in terms of this trade outcome, um, wherever he does potentially land. I think he was a guy that, you know, ultimately they probably should have traded before he signed that contract and extracted as much value as they could at that point, getting multiple firsts, Maybe they can still get, you know, a couple of first round picks for him. You know, I don't know. Maybe it's a first rounder and, you know, some some decent to, to good players, right? Like if you look at Miami, like Tyler Hero and Caleb Martin or somebody like that. But um, but yeah, it's just it, it's just it's almost it's hard to even talk about a Bucks deal because it's hard to figure out a world where at the end of the day you have Bradley Beal and one of Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton and Giannis and have this just kind of like the math work, not just this coming season when being over the second apron is just really a financial thing, but thinking longer term when that really does become a hard cap, it's just really hard to make the math work. And, you know, again, we can talk about what you might have to give up and things like that. Obviously it would have to be Drew or some weird thing with Chris sign and trade, which is super difficult to, to kind of logically make work, get one of guys a free agent. But um, I, Again, I just think it's really hard to kind of fashion a roster with more than three guys um, when you've got two of them making like upwards of $50 million. It's a very good point you make, Frank. But you know we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about Bradley <laughs> Beal a little bit more next coming up and some of the names. Uh, and again, as I mentioned, some of the potential suitors, if it's not Milwaukee, but the Bucks have been mentioned. So we're going to continue the Bradley Beal conversation coming up next. But first, we'll talk about prize picks and the NBA finals and playoffs are done. So if you missed out on the million-dollar picks, uh, that is just a big shame for you. But you can keep on playing prize picks. And if you're not familiar with how prize picks works, uh, you pick two to six players. And if they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. And, of course, it doesn't have to be NBA, but you can go uh, take a look at baseball, uh, golf, college sports as well. So there's plenty of stuff there. WNBA, of course, 
uh, you can check out on Prize Picks there. And speaking of baseball, if you want to maybe get involved in the Brewers, uh, I think they need to sort their sort their stuff out at the moment. I'm seeing they're losing to the A's. I'm an A's fan. I don't even watch the A's anymore because they're so bad and somehow they beat the Brewers. So before I get to Milwaukee and want to come and watch some Brewers games, please sort out your stuff. Anyway, download the Prize Picks app. Or go to pricepicks.com and sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks with the promo code locked on. If you deposit 100, PricePix will give you 100. Deposit 50, they'll give you 50. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to 100 bucks. All right, I mentioned it off the top, but we appreciate all the support on the show right through the offseason as well. The you people are sticking with us. The numbers are holding steady through the offseason, and I think they might pick up in the next few weeks as things start to get a little bit crazy. And we have days like today with Bradley Beal. Uh, like I mentioned, June 28, Broken Bat Brewery in Milwaukee. Come say hello. Come tell us that we've got terrible takes. All those types of things. Uh, we, we, we invite you all for what's going to be a, a pretty fun night uh, in Milwaukee in a couple of weeks' time. So... Shams was the one who reported that the Bucks are potentially one of the suitors, and you already pointed to it. There's a no-trade clause for Bradley Beal. So if you're Bradley Beal, you're sitting back and you're going, yeah, I'll go to Milwaukee. That sounds good to me. I'll play alongside Giannis. So that's why it's not a big surprise to me. The other fascinating little tidbit from today was Brian Windhorst mentioning that, hey, don't be surprised if the package isn't as large as what you think it might be for a player like Bradley Beal. So it's going to be interesting over the next few weeks. Miami, a team that have been mentioned. And just, you know, you mentioned the financial stuff. It's going to be challenging. You already suggested, you know, it makes sense that if something went down, it would be Middleton or Drew Holiday. Everyone's made the Beal and Middleton comparisons for years. I'm seeing people putting their trade machine trades in and they're sending them to me. And a lot of them have Drew Holiday involved. Again, as you pointed to, the idea of the Bucks' offense and perimeter scoring has been a problem. And if you, whatever, got yourself in a scenario where you had Beal, Milton, Giannis, Lopez, it's definitely the most firepower they would have had offensively in any iteration of the Milwaukee Bucks, assuming everyone's healthy. So uh, let, let, let me just ask you this. And again, understanding how difficult the financial stuff is. If a, a, uh, a Bradley Beal trade package is going down, do you think it would be more likely or if you have a, a preference or a feeling whether it would be Drew Holiday or Chris Milton leading a unlikely package? I mean, the, the only the only one of those two guys that I think it's really even worth constructing sort of hypothetical trades around, you know, in the next month leading up to free agency is Drew Holiday. But yeah, I think we've talked about this before. It's it's purely because he's actually under contract, right? Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't necessarily mean that, um, you know, he's going to have a ton of value to, certainly not to teams that are early in their building stage, but for teams that, you know, are looking for that, especially that third guy like the Bucks were when they acquired him um, three years ago. Uh, you could convince me that there are scenarios where, you know, a team like Portland, right? could be interested in adding him to a nucleus that already includes another guy like in the exact same age bracket as him and Damian Lillard, who clearly would could benefit from uh, having such a sturdy defender as, as Drew Holiday next to him. Um, and also Drew, I think, could benefit from being next to a guy who could take, you know, playmaking and ball handling um, responsibilities off, off his plate to an extent. So I think Portland, especially if you want to think about like potential like Portland, 
you know, machinations and, and combinations. Like I, I could, Frank, I people could... aren't going to be happy if Dame isn't coming back. You already know that. Yeah, no, 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 no Damian Lillard. I mean, and I don't think just to lead off the bat, like, cause it sort of started when I was like, Oh, like, you know, would the Blazers be interested in taking like the third pick and Anthony Simons and acquiring yeah. another veteran star. Right. And I think it was only natural to wonder like, Hmm, is Drew holiday a good enough, good enough star to be the, the return pa- package for that. Um, I don't. I don't think Portland's giving up number three and Anthony Simons for Drew Holiday. I think if you were the Bucks, I think that's a deal that again, you can ask a lot of questions about. Like, well, you don't have any like perimeter uh, defense at that point. You know, Anthony Simons. Like, how good is he really going to be? You know, in Milwaukee, blah blah blah. But number three pick, which again, you could trade number three for another good veteran mm. as well, right? It's not like you have to just pick a young guy who obviously that has appeal as well in terms of giving like a potential young star, you know, at the earliest stage of his career to, to, to pair with Giannis. But to be honest, I think if you picked, got the third pick given where Giannis is in his career now, I think Giannis is honestly too old to pair with like a 20 year old, 19 year old guy that may take, you know, three years to get to an all-star level as well. So I would say if, if you were getting into a scenario where you're talking about, you know, trading for a top five pick, then I think the question would be like, okay, well, what's the third team that might be interested in that pick and sending you a different, you know, proven all-star caliber type player um, in return. And, and, but, but again, so I think drew, I don't, I think the odds of the bucks actually trading drew are probably pretty low. I think they at least need to entertain the idea um, because again, drew has just been so consistently, uh, what's the word for shooting 47%, you know, true shooting every playoffs like clockwork, um, underwhelming, underwhelming from a scoring perspective. Right. I think yeah. you know, people, people complain about his playmaking and things like that. I mean, it has not been an issue in the regular season. Like people say like, Oh, Drew's not really a point guard or whatever. Uh, no, nobody would nobody would be complaining about that if you just looked at the Bucks regular seasons and you looked how efficient he was. I think his playmaking, you know, during the playoffs, especially during the title run, he had some, you know, had really good playmaking numbers. Um, you know, I, again, even in that Miami series, he had some big assist games, I think, early in the series, if I remember correctly. Um, so I think, I don't know, I feel like people have run a little bit probably too far in the like anti-Drew Camp be a point guard sort of direction. Um, which isn't to say that he wouldn't benefit from having like another real point guard on the roster who could take some of that pressure off him. And the fact that, you know, the, the other point guard that played last year was Javon Carter, who, you know, by point guard, NBA point guard standards, like can't run a pick and roll is a bad passer and can, you know, has a hard time like getting across half court sometimes really. Right. Like, I mean, Javon has obviously other traits. You love the defense, the tenacity and his three point shooting last year was awesome. Um, But, you know, again, those are the kind of trade-offs you have to make when you're paying a guy like a couple million bucks, right? Like you're not going to get, you know, peak George Hill or somebody like that as, you know, kind of your backup point guard, right? Um, You could get, you know, current George Hill (laughs) as your backup point guard, but obviously the bucks tried that. So bring him back. Yeah. So that's why I would at least like, I think it's worth asking the question, right? It's at least yeah. like going to those teams that maybe have the assets you like and saying, what would it take to get those, the, you know, Amphrey Simons and the third pick, or I don't know, like Jeremy Grant. I think, I think there's some history of the Bucks having interest in Jeremy Grant. It's a bit of a weird fit for the Bucks, especially if you were to bring Middleton and, and obviously have Giannis um, to then throw Jeremy Grant into that mix. 
because Jeremy Grant's basically like a three, four, probably more of a four in today's day and age. So, and again, at this point, like unless Adrian Griffin can, you know, Jedi mind trick Giannis into playing a lot more center, Jeremy Grant's probably harder to, to kind of make a logical fit, but again, he's obviously a really good player as well. Um, but on that topic, why, why am I not talking about Chris Middleton to me? Again, we've talked about it. We think he'll likely opt out. We think he's going to likely sign a new deal at a lower starting salary amount with the box to lock in, you know, kind of that one final big payday, whether that's, you know, starting in the high twenties, the low thirties, 35. Again, I don't know. Right. I think there's potential that maybe you could get him on a four-year contract, play the kind of years versus dollars thing, get him for longer and, and not have to pay him as much per year. In which case, you know, if you can imagine Chris Middleton getting like, you know, $30 million a year compared to Bradley Beal, that's part of the reason why we're not talking about a trade because, you know, even with Chris, I'd say at this point being, you know, a lesser player prospectively moving forward than Bradley Beal, just that extra gap in terms of the dollars between them is just so significant when you're already so near, you know, again, the first apron, second apron as, as the bucks are projected to be. But the, the real thing is like, like to me, if you're going into free agency and your quote unquote plan is, well, we're going to find a sign and trade for Chris Middleton and we're going to get something good back for him. Like that's not a plan, <laughs> like sign and trades. First off, there's a number of teams with caps, you know, there's, there's, there's a bunch of teams with cap space. Again, most of them probably are not teams that would be interested in Chris Middleton. Maybe most of them or all of them, maybe Chris Middleton wouldn't be interested really in signing with them. Right. Chris, you'd think would want to play for a team that has a chance to win a championship, but if he's just looking to cash in, then there are teams that can at least credibly offer him, you know, 30 plus million dollars per year, you know, three teams at this point, right. The Rockets, Pacers, Spurs, the teams that, that currently project to have over 30 million in cap space. Um, so he, he, again, he could sign and just leave for nothing. Right. So if you're going into the summer saying, Hey, Chris, uh, yeah, we don't really want to sign you, but um, keep us, you know, keep us on speed dial. We'd love to sign and trade you and get something for you and use you on your way out. Uh, so, you know, let, let's figure something out. Right. Again, if he wants to go to a team without cap space, then that does open up possibilities, but like, you're just at the mercy of like the luck of, of outside forces. And to me, if you're a team with a defined window for a championship, like the bucks are, the point is to, you know, take away all of these risk factors and not go into an off season where basically your ability to compete for a championship next year is not dependent on the fact that like, well, we hope that. Chris Milton wants to go someplace that we can sign and trade him to and, you know, get stuff back in return and, and, you know, be able to, to have, you know, a contending team on the back end of that. So I, I think sign and trades to me are, you know, great if you were not planning to probably sign a guy anyway, and, you know, you can get something on the way out and it's a nice little bonus, but for it to be like the plan to me, that's just, you know, ignores, the reality of how the NBA's free agency works and, you know, kind of, again, like how these, how these situations tend to go, right? Like the Sixers, right. Look at some, some recent kind of big sign and trades, right? Sixers, one of the rare teams that got something for an exiting superstar, all-star type talent, Jimmy Butler, they got what? Josh Richardson, basically, right? They got Josh Richardson. The Warriors got D'Angelo Russell, um, as, as they're going away present when KD left for, uh, for Brooklyn. Right. You know, is anybody, is anybody like looking at those? And again, Josh Richards obviously fell off a lot, but 
even if you took where people thought Josh Richardson was then, you took where where people thought D'Angelo Russell was at the time of that trade. Are the Bucks championship contenders, you know, with a guy of that ilk? Um, I would say no, right? Um, I, I to me, I think you need you need either Chris Middleton or you need someone very very close to Chris Middleton to continue to be a championship contender and a guy that will fit. And again, so to me, I, you know, I'm, if Chris Middleton signs a deal and, you know, in six months they need a shakeup, okay, then let's talk about Chris Middleton at the trade deadline as a potential trade asset or next summer or whatever it might be. But like right now as a prospective free agent that, you know, job one is to just get him under contract. I don't just don't just don't think of him as a guy that, you know, practically you can have included in your plans for, for upgrading the roster. I think we are in the same camp there and I'm curious to know what the listeners think because I suspect there's going to be some people that are on YouTube that are going to be all in on whatever possibility there is of Bradley Beal. But let us know how you feel about whatever percentage chance that is that something could go down there. Uh, One thing we didn't really discuss was the Giannis factor in this and I want to get to that next. So the Bucks have a new coach. Frank, and uh, by the looks of things, he might be over in Greece or certainly uh, wherever Giannis is. It looks like Josh Oppenheimer is over there and Vin Baker as well with a yearly voyage to Greece. And I bring this up because we discussed a lot the idea of the relationship between a new head coach and Giannis. It seems like Adrian Griffin and Giannis had... Giannis was on board with, with Griffin being the head coach. Let's just say that. So again... If the Bucs are going to make a big swing this year, it does feel like, again, Giannis is going to have significant influence in this and perhaps more so than he's had in the past. So I'm curious about the Beal stuff and, you know, does he like Bradley Beal and what players does he like around the league? We remember back a few years ago to the Chris Paul conversation. So all of this ties in and is very relevant. Yeah, and and I mean, it, it was reported... In late 2020, I think Brian Windhorst and Kevin Arnovitz from ESPN reported that Bradley Beal was on Giannis's list, which yeah. also included Drew Holiday, when they came out of the bubble, having lost to the Heat back then. And obviously, you know, the rest is history. They make the the Drew Holiday trade, win a championship. Um, so there is a historical record of Giannis having an affinity for Bradley Beal. Uh, obviously, that was three years ago. Bradley Beal was 26, going on 27 then. He was not on a Supermax contract at that point. So he was a much different type of target uh, to to potentially go after at that point than he is now. Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, where this is coming from, if this is, you know, Giannis taking out his list, you know, and looking at his list of guys that he would like to play, <laughs> list, to play with or something like that. I mean, who knows, right? I mean, I think um, whenever these things happen where, you know, like kind of the, the bidding opens for a player, it's always interesting to me because like, you know, teams just get like thrown out sometimes. Right. It's like, Oh, this expect this team to like, like how did Miami end up on that list of like, Oh, they're going to be strong suitors for, for Bradley Beal. Right. Like this is Pat Riley telling Shams, like, put me on that list. I want to be at the front of the line for Shams. Right. Like, I don't, I don't know that it helps the heat. Right. From a negotiating standpoint, yeah. it doesn't help the bucks. Right. I'm sure John Horst is not calling up Shams and saying like, Hey, tell the world we want, we want Bradley Beal. Right. Um, you know, I think maybe at times like saying that you're in the mix for things, like maybe, you know, teams think that like, Oh, it like gives the fan base something to chew on a little bit. So we feel like we're trying, but, um, but if you're trying to make a serious play for a guy, like I don't, I don't think being named today as, as a potential shooter necessarily helps you. Although 
again, this no trade clause adds this kind of major, major wrinkle to this. So, so yeah, I think again, like it's, it's fun to, it's a fun thought exercise. And I think to the extent that it makes us think about, okay, well, what could you, like, is there a scenario where you would trade Drew Holiday? Is there a scenario where you would trade Chris Middleton? Okay. Well, again, I would say it's probably, it can't really be now practically because of his free agency likely coming up, but you know, at some point, what would a Chris Middleton trade need to look like? What are some of those potential teams out there? Um, I, I've, I've given this some thought. I mean, again, like the, the Portland one is, is I think interesting um, just because Simons is young and, and has developed into, you know, an explosive scorer. obviously defensively is not in the same galaxy as, as a Drew Holiday. Um, but could you get potentially more in, in a trade like that? There would have to be more salary coming back. So again, like, you know, can you get like a Nasir Little or something like that? Is is that, you know, potentially enough to make you think about it? Um, I don't, by the way, Shade and Sharp, I just assume would not be, you know, thrown into a deal like this, um, given what they think of of him as, as uh, their lottery pick from last year. Um, one other guy that I, I think we talked about, I don't know if we talked about it on the pod as much, um, but I know we talked about kind of offline but a guy that I think has become I've, I've given some thought to lately just because he has personal history with Adrian Griffin is Fred Van Vliet. And this idea of like, you know, would you let, let's just let's just say this. Like, I, I don't know, like does Toronto have interest in Drew Holiday at this point? Probably not. I don't think Drew Holiday really makes sense for the Raptors unless they again, they, they could go either direction at this point. Like it doesn't seem like anybody knows if Masai Ujiri and company are going to choose to actually continue to try to win or go into a more of a rebuild mode. feels like they should finally probably maybe just go the rebuild route. But part of that depends on what happens with Fred Van Vliet. And I think Van Vliet is a really interesting piece. Um, You know, again, is he as good as Drew Holiday in a regular season generalized sense? I don't think so. You know, I think last year, he started off the season really struggling with his, with his jump shot, came around a fair bit. Um, but, you know, look at the age range. He's, he's 29. He's had a lot of mileage under Nick Nurse and Adrian Griffin, played a ton of minutes these last few years. Um, but is obviously a guy who's won a championship, um, maybe not in obviously a starring role at the time when he was, um, you know, winning a championship in 2019. But we saw <laughs> we saw what Fred Van Vliet can do in the playoffs, unfortunately, uh, to our Milwaukee Bucks. So, Van Vliet's one of those guys that, like, again, is there a scenario where there's some trade scenario with Drew Holiday and Fred Van Vliet reuniting Van Vliet in some sort of sign-and-trade, given that he's a free agent right now and has this connection to Adrian Griffin? Again, nothing I would, you know, I'm not running to the trade machine trying to figure out kind of permutations of all that. Um, But I think if you're just thinking about, like, okay, well, is there an an option, you know, especially a guard who has the requisite two-way capability Again, Fred Van Vliet is much smaller than Drew Holiday. He's not going to defend wings, but, you know, a pretty dogged defender and obviously a guy that can run an offense reasonably well. Obviously, Toronto, not not an offense necessarily to write a home about, but a guy that has a history of being able to make shots and and be a lead guard. Um, at least some some something I, I, I would at least put him on the list, right? If you're saying like, okay, well, what are the Bucks' options if not to run it back? Something Fred Van Vliet-centric, something Anthony Simon-centric, um, those are at least some of the guys that I would kind of throw out there. Um, but again, unfortunately, it's not like a really long list of guys that necessarily, you know, would be available or, or would make a whole lot of sense. Um, so I don't know. I, 
I, I know I didn't prepare you for, for this cane. I don't know if Fred Van Vliet um, wets your whistle at all, uh, or if there's any other guys that at least in the abstract you would kind of think about in sort of a, let's call it a, a Drew, Drew Holiday centric um, way, but uh, I don't know. Anybody else kind of jump to mind for you? No, I wasn't. Uh, I thought at the trade deadline, if there was something the Bucks could have pulled off where they kept their guys and got yeah, Fred Van Vliet, exactly. I was all on board for that. Um, but yeah, in terms of giving up a major piece, uh, it doesn't get me too excited, but a, a lot of these trades kind of don't. And that's why the idea of the third pick, I'm not sure that would fully mean a full reset, but it would give you some options. It would give the Bucks a, a pretty significant asset that they really don't have at the moment. So that was something I got excited about. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'll say this. I'm not surprised that the Bucks are going to be involved in whatever there is and whether they can make something happen. But they always seem to be mentioning things. I've got no doubt that, that John Horst is trying to, to do something with the, the lack of flexibility they have. So yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if there's a name right now. I didn't really think about it, as, as you sort of mentioned. But, yeah, Fred, if it was 2019 Eastern Conference Finals, Fred, I could be talked into it, but I'm not sure about that one. And and I, and, it, and it feels like he's heading towards a contract that I think people will look at in, in a couple of years and go, eh, I'm not sure about that. Yeah, I mean, I think the good news for whoever signs him is, I, I mean, I don't think he's going to get – 35 or 40 million dollars a year but you know 30 million dollars a year that's a lot of fred van vliet right, <laughs> right? and still half still only half of bradley beal though so yeah, yeah exactly um yeah i mean 25 to 30 of of uh a fredly fred, fred van vliet um you could get you know almost two fred van vliet's for one bradley beal right fredly veal fred bradley brad brad van van beal um <laughs> Yeah, so uh, so I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know that there's any uh, any kind of home runs to, to be had there, but um, I, I don't know. I, I think that's one of the interesting questions for for the summer is like, you know, are the Bucks have the Bucks already sort of worked out, you know, their decisions around, especially somebody like Drew who who's already you know under contract. Like, um, what is the plan there? Because if 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 you don't trade him this summer then you know he can opt out and become a free agent in a year so you kind of have to know what your direction is going to be with him you know he's gonna he's gonna be extension eligible um so what do you want to do with your holiday right is is he a guy that that you're willing to pay you know into his mid-30s at at what number right because i think that's the that's the the big question with both chris and drew is you know, not just do you want to keep these guys, are they good enough to be the second and third bananas with, with Giannis, but at what price do those guys make sense? And, uh, you know, it's, 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 this is definitely, again, again, a sort of a glass half full view, but the only upside here is that, you know, their, their appeal to other teams in free agency are obviously going to be limited to an extent by their age. And so potentially Chris will be the first one we, we kind of see go through this. Does that translate into being able to get Chris at, I don't want to say a discount um, necessarily, but at least lower numbers than than obviously what he's been at so far, right? If you get Chris at you know high twenties or thirty, which not only is a big step down from what he's currently making, but also a lot less than what Drew is going to be making next year, then that sets an interesting precedent in terms of both those guys, you know, settling in at numbers that are are well below you know max contracts, right? I mean, we're talking now 
the true max contracts, especially the 35% max contracts, those are in the, you know, you're talking about guys making high 40s, $50 million a year. Um, you know, Chris's official max is about $47 million this coming year. So if you start to be able to get guys that are all-star caliber players, really good fits with Giannis, and they're making well south of those potential max salary slots, again, your window is not going to stay open for that long at their age, given where they are age-wise. Um, but you can at least keep probably more of the complimentary pieces than you would, obviously, if you're paying, you know, two or three guys, $50 million maxes, which again, I think we're just going to see across the league is just going to become extremely, extremely difficult. It's basically, you know, two, two big, two kind of two super max guys, plus a lot of complimentary pieces or, you know, a Giannis with, again, I hate to call them lesser stars, but, you know, non-max sort of star players like, like Chris and Drew making far, far less than, than the, uh, than their max contracts per se. So, um, so anyway, uh, we'll, we will see what happens with Brad Beal, but, um, it, when Wendy, when Brian, I think it was before the, the Shams and Woj reporting, you know, Wendy just sort of like threw it out there. Oh yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Bradley Beal, you know, no, there was that he wasn't saying it as like a reporting thing, but just, Oh, I wouldn't be surprised if Bradley Beal's <laughs> moved. And if it's not for, you know, as much as, as people might think he might be worth. So, um, I, I think there's probably something to that. I think, you know, the, the windy, the windy fingers were getting kind of thrown to the wind um, a bit with that one. So we'll see, we'll see what happens between now and the draft, but we need something to keep us interested. We haven't said a goddamn word about draft prospects because the bucks only have what the last pick in the second, <laughs> the second round. So um, I have no idea what's going on with the NBA draft this year, relatively speaking to, to kind of prior years. Um, but I guess we'll see, we'll see what the bucks um, decide to do. It feels like, um, I don't know. We, we may need to be talking about, you know, still haven't heard of, if Hugo Basson is going to come over for summer league, he was hurt to kind of finish this year in France, but these are the types of prospect discussions we're going to have a whole lot of Marjan Beauchamp, AJ green. And, and yes, even Hugo Basson, right. That, that constitutes young player discussions these days in Milwaukee, which uh, let's just say that's a lot of pressure on Marjan Beauchamp. And my jump boat champ looking absolutely ripped as well. If you're keeping an eye on social media. So that's uh, always a positive sign at this time of year. Uh, we'd love to see that and get a little bit excited about the prospects coming through. But there's plenty to discuss from today's show. Uh, let us know about Bradley Beal, Drew Holiday, Chris Milton, who Giannis might want to play with. There's plenty uh, to get stuck into. So jump on the YouTube channel uh, and get in the comments there. Or you can hit us up uh, both on Twitter. But we'll leave it there. But uh, the first little juicy free agency podcast we've had and i think we'll have a few over the next few weeks uh frank appreciate the time we'll see when i can drag you back on again chat soon and kane i uh, this this live pod sneaking up on us it's going to be the first time in uh, about five years that we see each other so i'm i'm excited the second meeting of frank and kane we can't wait we'll speak to you tomorrow <laughs>